Usain Bolt sprinting ahead, winning by daylight. Give it to him. Give it to him. Boom, shakalaka. Hello and welcome to the Thursday edition of Hotline Rings, the 42's dedicated Olympic podcast. My name is Steve O'Rourke and I learned an awful long time ago never to answer a hotel room door with just a bat robe on. I'm joined from Rio by Niall Kelly to give us the latest on what I suppose is the tsunami of information that came through yesterday uh, uh, about Pahiki's arrest and, and kind of the confusion maybe on the ground in Rio as to what was actually happening. We're obviously going to look ahead to what is a first appearance in an athletics final since Alistair Craig when Tom Barr runs in the 400 metre hurdles final later this afternoon. And look at the start of some other events, uh, Brian Keane in the triathlon and we'll, we'll check in to see how Leona Maguire and Stephanie Meadow got on in the golf as well yesterday and how they might do today. Niall, thanks for joining us. It's quite early yet again in Rio. Ah, yeah, it's, it's not not crazy early this morning, but uh, it was a long, long day yesterday. It's kind of funny. Yesterday was for a lot of Irish media with all of the boxers out and um, with a very reduced schedule. Yesterday was kind of penciled in as a down day for a lot of Irish media. The only the only Irish interest was uh, the golf with Leona Maguire and Stephanie Meadow going out, as you just said there, for their first rounds. And with in the athletics, we just had one with uh, Kira Everard going in the heat to the 800. So yesterday was penciled in, as I said, as maybe one of the easier days after what has been a mental, mental two weeks out here. And by the time most of us woke up yesterday morning, it became <laughs> apparent that that was, that was not going to be the case at all. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering now, sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah I'm just yeah, wondering ahead, if, if like the, the Michael O'Reilly failed drugs test, was, was there an element that maybe back here in Dublin, we kind of had more of a sense of what was going on at times than, than you guys had on the ground? Because you're obviously scrambling around to get to briefings from the police and things like that. Or, or was it a bit more organized this time? No, it was definitely a bit more organised, but in the initial stages, definitely, like you have to remember, it broke at it broke at just about Pat Hickey was arrested about seven o'clock, sometime between seven o'clock and seven thirty a.m. Brazilian time yesterday. And if I know the rest of my media colleagues, like I know myself, and I know the working schedules that everybody's been adhering to, not too many of us would have been would have been awake and ready to go at half past seven yesterday. If anything, people were probably aiming to, to maybe hit the golf course for about 10 and catch Stephanie and Leona as they headed out on their back nine. So I think there are a lot of people woken up by phone calls from Ireland yesterday. I wasn't quite woken up, but as soon as I looked at my phone, I realized that something something serious was, was going on. And mm. from that moment on until kind of late enough yesterday evening, it was it was all systems go. But... I do think in this instance, a lot of the information, like pretty much all of the information we've been working off has been information that's been put out there by the Brazilian police, whether that be from the arrest and them bringing a camera crew with them for Pat Higgy's arrest yesterday morning yeah. at the Windsor Marapendi Hotel, where they we've all seen the footage now, I'm sure, at this stage. And then from their press conference, which was held a couple of hours later, which Sinead attended for us and... You know, they had his accreditation, they had his passport, they had emails, and they were all on show for media 
It was quite uh, surreal at the time, like, watching them flicking through his passport. It, it, it was a bizarre sight. Yeah, it, it really is. But I think that it's only a bizarre sight relative to what we're used to back home in Ireland. I think this is very much from speaking to a couple of people who will be a lot more familiar now. I think in the last 24 hours, I have become... Not, not, not an expert on the Brazilian <laughs> legal system, but uh, I'm certainly a little bit more au fait with it than I was yesterday, yesterday morning. But um, from speaking to people who would, would have a bit more knowledge of how these things usually play out and how it's normally conducted, mm. they they did say to me that, uh, you know, this is this is kind of how it's done. There is there is very much a theatrical element to these yeah. things and even more so to be expected when the person on the receiving end of it is the top European official in Olympic circles and, you know, very, very definitively a big fish. And just from, from a police perspective, it, it was actually quite remarkable the access that we were we were able to get and how forthcoming they were, I suppose, with the information, which not something that you would necessarily see back home in Ireland because there maybe is a little bit more you know caution around the yeah. legal due process but i mean Sinead was down at the at the police station yesterday at the police headquarters and asked for somebody to give her a minute or two in english just so she had a full understanding with the other journalists that were there because they were working through a translator yeah and they headed off for a few minutes and went and dug out the arresting officer and a translator and plonked him in front of yeah. Sinead and the rest of the Irish media and got him to speak. So it wasn't a case, it's definitely a case of, you know, there's any, uh, not not like the Michael O'Reilly instance at all, really, because mm. all of the concrete information that we're working off is coming from here. But again, a lot of it is coming from the Brazilian police. It's their side of the story. Yeah. And obviously we're, we're limited, I suppose, in what we can talk about because it is an ongoing legal situation. And I think that needs to be clarified. But, there was a sense, if I'm not reading it wrong, of a certain amount of schadenfreude uh, going on among certain Irish sports people and maybe even the Irish media yesterday with the arrest. And uh, Pat Hickey has been a divisive figure as the head of, of the IOC, but there's no doubt he's he's kind of ruled that organisation quite tightly over the last 28 years. Yeah, you you don't uh, get to where you've been and where Pat Hickey has been and for as long as Pat Hickey has been in sports administration without making friends, but probably making even more enemies along the way. You don't, like, I'm sure, I'm not sure what the reaction the Irish media has been like, but I don't know if anybody has tried to phone Bernard Allen or Jim McDay to see what their thoughts are on yeah. it. Uh, or even more recently to Shane Ross to, to kind of see, see how he's feeling about things. Mm. He didn't really seem to be in much of a mood to hang around here yesterday. But, yeah, you, the, I'm not sure if Shadden... There, there are a lot of people. Pat Hickey is has burnt a lot of bridges over the years and he's done a lot of things that people would find distasteful. That's not to prejudice this specific case in any way, shape or form. And as you said, we're still very much dealing with allegations. Uh, To the best of my knowledge now, uh, the charges have been forwarded to, I suppose, the Brazil's equivalent of the DPP. They have to be officially approved by a judge who decides whether or not to progress with them and I think we're probably waiting at the moment for Pat Hickey to be released from hospital and to be to be medically cleared before the police can do anything. Yeah. But yeah, it it it, it is like there 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 is a sense like he wouldn't have he wouldn't have a huge amount of friends and a huge amount of of sympathy just purely because 
you know, there there have been a lot of people will find fault and people have found fault in a lot of the things. I was listening to a few commentators last night discussing the inaugural European Games last year, which mm. which took place out in, in Azerbaijan. And just Owen Gibson from The Guardian was speaking to Off the Ball and he, he was one of the journalists who was supposed to cover it and then wasn't allowed to cover it because yeah. he had been so heavily critical of it in the build-up to it, but said anybody who was out there just described it as this bizarre concept in, intended to just glorify Azerbaijan and yeah. glorify Pat Hickey, nothing more and nothing less. Yeah, and I, I definitely think that's something that will probably be brought up maybe time and again over the next few weeks. My understanding is that the Brazilian court system has kind of shut down for the Olympics and are dealing with only... Re, like incidents like robbery and muggings and things like that directly related to the Olympics so it might be a while before Pat Hickey ends up in court well I think it's probably it, you are right in saying that it has taken it has shut down a little bit but to the best of my knowledge again Kevin Mallon the THG employee who was arrested back at the start of the Olympic Games in possession of the tickets he was actually he did actually have his case put in front of a judge so similar to Pat Hickey he was arrested and the charges were put to him but I think about five or six days later he did appear in court now okay. I don't think bearing in mind that this would have been smack bang in the middle of the Olympic Games and people's attention was probably elsewhere at that stage. But I don't think that that was an open court session. I am not. I don't remember really hearing too much about it. It was only yesterday when we kind of went back to have a look at the Kevin Mallon timeline that we were able to see that it, it appears that he has already been been in front of a judge. Mm. So... And it took it took five or six days yeah. the information if the dates that we have in front of us are correct. So there is a chance that once Pat Hickey is, as I said, is medically cleared, that they could try to to expedite this and you know see see if they can get the ball rolling on it at maybe in the next week. Yeah. Well, let's move away from officialdom and administration. And, and I would be only delighted. To... Excellent. Uh, it was, as you said, a relatively quiet day for, for Irish competitors yesterday. Leona Maguire and Steph Meadow in the golf. Leona Maguire, you know, one of the leading amateur women's players in the world, former world number one. She struggled a bit yesterday. She started off with a birdie on her first hole, but it, it wasn't a great round after that. No, it it wasn't really, Steve. And I suppose there wasn't there wasn't a huge amount of spotlight. But Leona and Stephanie, they got in with on with seventy four and seventy seven. Doesn't really leave them a massive amount in contention. Stephanie Meadow is twelve shots off the lead. There, it's uh, the Brit the British Open winner. I can't. I'm not even a hundred percent sure how you pronounce her name. I think it's Aria. Jutta Nugarn. I'll take your word for it. I, yeah, I, I definitely. And my apologise to any any of our Thai listeners because I could have completely just butchered that. But um, yeah, it was it it was a, a disappointing day really. But I think, you know, Leona Maguire in particular it felt that she left herself in in contention in contention a good bit. She kind of played well from tee to green ish. Gave herself a look at uh, a lot of birdies and. Just the the puts and just the the puts in general didn't really drop for her, mm. and and I suppose, you know, she 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 can take she can take a lot uh, she can take a lot from it. Like you forget that Leona Maguire is still still an amateur. Yeah. Uh, it, this is a massive learning experience at the at the age of twenty one, 
to be here at an Olympic Games as an amateur, representing your country, and to be able to even come, come away from that and say, well, you know what, I did an awful lot of things right in my game yesterday. Maybe I just needed to be a little bit more consistent in places. That's that's pretty pretty remarkable. Uh, I don't think I don't think anybody. Well, I certainly didn't. I certainly didn't expect Leona McGuire to go out and contend this week. I expected her to come and to, to soak up the experience mm. and to show why she is the best amateur in the world. But I didn't expect her to be going down the stretch in the back nine on Saturday against Lydia Coe, trying to, to take her out. But... Yeah. No, and, and, and there's, you know, there was a reason she was a hundred to one shot beforehand. But like you said, this is this kind of company is going to stand her in very good stead for the majors and, and, and that are ahead of her inevitably when she does decide to turn professional when she finishes up in Duke University. So I think it's a good, like you said, learning experience for her. Thomas Barr is going to win this semi-final and Thomas Barr blasts his way into the final of the 400 metre hurdles. Obviously a great learning experience for Leona Maguire but I suppose maybe you learn from from, from disappointing performances as well and, and that's the word you'd use to describe Kira Everard's performance in the, the 800 metre heats. Really, really disappointing result. Yeah, incredibly disappointing day for Kira. but nobody will be more disappointed than her herself. It must be, I can't imagine how frustrating it is to come into an Olympic Games not fully fit. Mm. And I think we've been spoiled a little bit this week by Mark English and Tom Barr, two other athletes who have come in with on the back of massively disrupted preparation and managed to pull out, pull remarkable performances out of the bag. Mark making the final of the, or the semi-final of the 800 and Tom blowing everybody's minds with that performance in the 400 meter hurdle semis on Tuesday night but for Kira it just it wasn't to be Jerry Kern I know was on RTE yesterday and said look she's she's not fully fit she know he knows he's not she's not 100% fit and that really showed she was in she was in the slowest of the heats yesterday I think her the winner of her heat Lindsay Sharp was the only athlete to qualify with a time of higher than two minutes mm. uh, Kira herself then was a distant distant last in that heat she ran 207.91 which is well outside what she's capable of and yeah just you know it, it was she was just a good bit off the pace very frustrating but you know, you can only you can't fault many things like if when a lot of it is coming down to fitness and injury. Yeah. That's just not there's there's nothing you can do really. You're not going to not show up in the Olympic Games if you think you can go out and run the race and complete the race and do yourself any sort of justice. You're obviously going to to make that make that bid. And and as with all these things, you know there's a very very small number of people in the world who can ever call themselves an olympian and care ever can it's just really unfortunate that her, her injuries coincided with the biggest event in her four-year cycle yeah it's it's an i must that's what i'm saying it mm. must be a remarkably immensely frustrating for her but again you can never you can never take that away care ever an olympian and nobody will be more frustrated than her but at these, uh, this is unfortunately just how it goes sometimes, and not everybody can can pull a miracle marking this Tom Barrel in the bag out in the back of such disruptive preparation. Let's look ahead to today, and there's obviously the modern pentathlon gets underway with Arthur Lanning on a Keith and Natalia Coyle. There's Brian Keane going in the triathlon. There's the the medal race of the the 49er sailing. The golf is back on. 
there's really only one event the Irish Eyes are going to be on, and that's 4 p.m. Irish time, when Thomas Barr becomes the first Irish man since 1932, Bob Tisdale, to run in an Olympic sprint final. This is... Remarkable. I mean, he has had such a bad season. He was, he spoke to a couple of our writers in the build-up to Rio 2016, and he was incredibly frustrated with how his year had gone. All the work he'd put in over the last three years appeared to be for nothing because he was injured so much this year. Hadn't broken 50 seconds. Now he looks like he could win a medal. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, now he looks like he could win a medal on, on a few grounds. One, because anybody who finishes a race the way Tom Barr finished his semi-final on Tuesday night is an absolutely lethal threat mm. to the podium. He really is. Like he came, he came around that last bend and he looked like he was just out for his morning jog as he chewed up the final 100. Yeah. It was an unbelievable finish. He has, we know he has an amazing kick. But that was that was evidence on the world stage, and that the whole world now knows that he has an amazing kick. Yeah. He said himself one of the first things he said on Tuesday night when he when he met the media was, "I'm going to have a huge target on my back now." I suppose from an Irish perspective, you hope that that's that's okay to have a target on your back once everybody else is staring at your back. <laughs> but uh, he like there's going to be no illusions now. They're not people are going to be keeping an eye on Tom Barr coming into that. Uh, into the last hundred today, yeah. Because they know they know that he can finish strongly, but it was just, it was an incredible performance. Everything has just seemed to click for him in the in the last few weeks. He said himself, he fully admitted that when he came out to Rio, he didn't think he had a time like that. A, a four eight was a four eight turn three nine mm-hmm. is his new his new national record, his yeah. new personal best. He's after taking after taking about a, hundred, uh, a tenth of a second off his, off his PB, if I recall correctly. And he said he didn't think he had that time in him. He knew he wasn't a 50-something athlete, yeah. but he also didn't think that on the back of that preparation, remember, he hadn't been on the track before Nationals. Nationals were in May, June, and June, he hadn't been June. on the, June, June, and he hadn't been on the track for 11 weeks before that with a hip yeah. injury. This is like this is this is incredible stuff, really. Yeah. And for him to for him to just find his form as he has done right now, to be able to to get back to his best, to hit his stride, and to run consecutively two times that have really left him in a decent position. So to go under fifty for the first time of the year and show, okay, maybe I'm coming back to my best, and then to set to set that new PB, that new national record in the semi final, it really has given him a lot of hope. But you say he could, he looks like he could go and win a medal. The field here is wide open. This this is a one of the most open 400 meter hurdles finals we've seen in a long long time. Tom is in lane four, and okay, you look at the men either side of him: mm. Javier Coulson, Olympic bronze medalist three years ago, and Karen Clement. Not, not both of them have been on the Olympic podium, but if you look at the World Championships from last year, one, two, and three, you have Two of those, gold medalist and bronze medalist, crashed out in the heats. That's Nicholas Bett and Jeffrey Gibson. The man that fell in the middle of them, silver medalist from Beijing last year, uh, Denis Kurdryatsev, is Russian, so he's, he's not here. And he's out of this. And then if you go back to if you go back to the the Beijing, oh, sorry, not Beijing, the London podium from four years ago, like you know, Col- uh, yeah, Colton is the only is the only man who who is there. Like Felix Sanchez is gone; he's mm. not there either. And it's you know a lot of the biggest names, a lot of the names that we would associate in recent years with being the top men in 400 meter hurdling are are gone. Yeah. They're not. They're not. They're not in this final. And 
Tom Barr has playing four. He's he's going to be right in between probably two men who believe that they will be challenging for gold and silver. And all he needs to do is, you know, run his race, run run his own race. And when he comes into that bend, he'll be coming up between the two of them. Yeah, it's it's going to be one of those days, I think, where every office in the country, if they have a TV, is going to be just gathered around it come 4 p.m. Irish time. I really, really hope there's a medal in, in Tom Barr. I, you, you keep feeling, I suppose, that given the year he's had, the, you hope the body holds up to it. But you know what? No better man if he's within 10 metres coming down that final straight. There is there is absolutely no better man to catch up and, and, and get on that podium. Ah, look, I mean, let's let's not get massively carried away with it. No, let's here. absolutely get carried away with it. So it's an Olympic we're, we're, sprint we're, 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 we're talking about wide open races, and that's yeah. true. But I think, like so many of the Irish athletes out here these last few weeks, if you set aside our boxers and the disappointment around that, Tom Barr has already massively overachieved yeah. here. Like, they, when, you, when you put it in the context of history... As you said, their first sprint final since Bob Tisdall in 1932. I'm I'm 80. What's that? 84 years. Yeah, I'm going to trust your maths on yeah. this one. Yeah, 84 years. It it is very early in the morning here, but yeah, 84 years. That's that's the context of what yeah. we're dealing with here. Not just the injury, but the weight of the weight of history here. And I think if Tambar could finish fifth today. I think that would be cause for an absolute street party. Yeah. Fifth no, in, I completely fifth agree. In Olympi- fifth in an Olympic final would be amazing. Just to be there is bonus territory. Yeah. And but you have to have dreams as well now. You do, you do have to have dreams. I'll And I think Tom probably, Tom probably, he's not going to be listening to this before <laughs> he goes out on the track later on today. What do you mean? He's of course he is. Be, he's arguably <laughs> not going to be listening to this at all. But <laughs> he, he, he will feel... That if he goes out and runs his race, he will have every chance. I just, I, I shudder when I think of the people who only tune into athletics once every four years around this time of year, and they will see anything but a medal in this race as failure on Tom Barr's part when the reality couldn't be or the truth couldn't be it couldn't be a million miles further from that like no absolutely he's he's done incredibly well and and, and one of these stories in, in the Olympics of many stories I suppose it's, it's, it's not celebrating failure though mm. either Steve oh, no. like, and that's the, that's the criticism that gets thrown back a lot of the time at these athletes like Tom Barr is after coming here he's after running the PB and he's after setting a new national yeah. record. Yeah, I, it, it, it's bananas to think that that I even have to feel that I need to preempt this now. I think you know. Hopefully, yeah, I think you, you you might know how people react to these things, like you said, because they only tune in every four years. I think any time an athlete goes to an event like this, a personal best is all you can ask for. When that personal best becomes a national record in an Olympic final, you you take that and you celebrate it and you congratulate them. Yeah, absolutely, and I just hope. I hope. Well, I, what I really hope is that Tom has the performance of a lifetime and comes home in a medal. What I hope secondary after that is that people people see this in in the context that it deserves to be seen in and recognise a remarkable achievement on his behalf. Like I said, 4 p.m. Irish time, that's when you need to make your excuse to your boss and find a TV uh, uh, somewhere very, very close to your workstation. That's it from Niall. Thanks as always for joining us from Rio. I've been Steve O'Rourke. Thanks for listening. This has been Hotline Rings. Usain Bolt sprinting ahead, winning by daylight. Give it to him. Give it to him. Boom, shakalaka. Ah, Taylor. Dizzy Taylor. Jumping all of the jumping the bow. Like a jumping.
Take your mark. I know when that.